Welcome to Political Football with Dave, Maddie Ice, and Cleve. How you guys doing? Yo, what's up, man? I am living off a diet of sugar and uh, milk and cookies. Living the dream. Sorry, Trey. Right wow. now. Breakfast of champions, brother. <laughs> That's what All Santa right, thinks. Mm-hmm. So we got a lot going on. Um, we're heading into the, the meat of the season now where we separate the men from the boys and we kind of get busy with that stuff. So we're just going to go right into the fucking football today. Okay. Yeah, ready to go? Yep. Let's get it. Let's so go. we're going back um to last Thursday. We have the Chargers 30 at the Raiders 27. And again, I don't, I'm not going to lie. I do like it when I say something it turns out to be right. Um, but I really like it when it's about John Gruden. Because um, he and I don't see eye to eye on many things. And the Raiders have now just been exposed. Complete total frauds they are. There can be no argument about it. I mean, they're almost as fraudulent as the Giants. Anyways, um, Keenan Allen barely played in this game. Uh, he played like five, seven snaps. So he only had one catch. Justin Herbert was still 22 of 32 for 314 yards, two touchdowns, and no picks. Stud. Yes. Um, but this is a game like we get these games at the end of the season where the, the Raiders are out for the most part, the Chargers have been officially eliminated and we're kind of seeing what these teams are going to look like next year, either with a new coach or maybe some new personnel. And that's what I saw in this game where it's like Herbert's got the goods. If he gets a better coach uh, similar to, to Baker this year, I think they take a huge step up. And now the other question is what does John Gruden do with the talent he has? Because I think we've established that, um, that Derek Carr is not the guy, but we don't know if Mariota is either because we have a pretty large sample size of him too. Yeah, I mean Mariota looked uh, looked okay coming in 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 relief, mm-hmm. but that's what you'd expect. I mean he is he's a very talented player, so if you just throw yes. him in, tell him to go do something, like he's he's going to be all right. Uh, I could speak for you know from DraftKings and whatnot. A couple years ago, there were three different times players uh, players won a million dollars in that big tournament because of Mariota at quarterback. Like he's capable of of putting up numbers. It's the putting together wins that's that's the issue for him yeah mm-hmm. and he's always questionable to return like i think he's questionable to return right now right for the game right yeah. exactly um so the next game we have here i thought this was just a fantastic game uh despite the score the bills 48 at the broncos 19 um and josh allen is the second most wrong i've ever been about a prospect um, I thought that this guy was going to be absolute garbage when he came in. I thought that he was inaccurate in college, you know, under like 55% passing percentage, played at Wyoming, went like 7-5 and five his last year with a running back that's in the NFL. And I am just happy to be wrong. He is, he is fully fantastic. Let me ask you, you something. I'm oh, sorry, Matt. Sorry. No, you're good. Um, is, he, is, is it their system or is he that good? He's that good. The system's built around him. The system is built around him, Cleve. And uh, during the broadcast, actually, as much as I'm kind of you know iffy sometimes in Collinsworth, they did do a nice little graphic where they showed the changes he made in like uh, arm angle and and uh, release point for the football and how that has really helped him develop into a much more accurate passer. Where last year I think he was like 58 percent, and this year I think he's 70 percent or just almost right right there. It's like a 10 percent change from last year to this year. So. 
it's I think this is one of those guys where we don't necessarily uh, take into consideration that they can make those little changes in between seasons. And clearly, Josh Allen is talented enough that he it's almost like having a pitching coach in baseball who comes in and says, hey, you know, you want to release the ball here because that's going to give you better um, you know, rotation on your curveball. And it's sort of the same thing here. He has made that adjustment to be more accurate, which was the big knock on him. And so now he's put the whole thing together and the team around him is also better, too. Yeah, I think adding Stefan Diggs, I mean, I don't discount yeah. the little changes he made to mechanics or whatnot. I don't know enough about it to you know how important that is. I do know enough about Stefan Diggs and adding him to the team uh, made, makes a huge difference in being able to to do stuff as well. But the Bills, like, they're they're rolling now. And we're obviously going to get to this uh, much later in the podcast. But to me, the Bills have in my mind just replaced Pittsburgh in, the, in yes. that position in that conference as, like, the second best team behind Kansas City. I think Buffalo is absolutely fantastic. And on the other side here, Drew Locke has shown some flashes for Denver, but uh, my friend Paul, he made a great point to me. He said, uh, Drew Locke ain't it. And I think that's exactly right. I don't think that Drew Locke has, I don't think he has the upside necessary to compete consistently in a division with Patrick Mahomes. Agreed. And I also can't trust the quarterback that was chosen by a John Elway-led uh, front office because he hasn't shown that he knows how to rate quarterbacks. He just showed that he knows how to play the position. So that's kind of the way I felt about it. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think that Drew Locke probably isn't terrible, but for what you need in that division, I mean, so that division now has Mahomes for the next 15 years, Herbert for the next however long. And then Derek Carr and Drew Locke, like, it's not going to work. Like, these teams, they need to be trying to match on the quarterback front. And so they should both be out looking to greatly improve, even though I don't think Carr and Locke are awful quarterbacks. No, they're not awful, but it's the way that you said it. They're not it. And that's what you need, especially in that division. You need it. Or to even just compete, you know, consistently over the years, you need it. And and they don't have it. Yeah, no, I completely, I completely agree. So the next game we have here... Uh, we have a quarterback that is definitely it, according to Cleve. We have the Panthers 16 at number two overall fantasy pick, Aaron Rodgers, and the Packers 24. And the only note that I really have, I only have two notes on this game. The first one is that Devontae Adams had seven catches for 42 yards. That's it. And the Packers still won. Uh, so they can they can win in a, in a variety of, of different ways. And then the note I really have in this game is that the Panthers this week fired their general manager. And they just hired Matt Rule last year. Why didn't they fire the general manager and Ron Rivera all at the same time? I think these are the the well-run organizations versus the not well-run organizations, to be honest. Uh, and the Texans are kind of in the same boat, right? Like, they're just not, they're poorly run. Like, that was kind of a weird move, to your point, when they hired a new head coach. And it's not as if they hired a new head coach who's been just completely lost. I mean, yes, they're 4-10. and 10, But, Dave, we've discussed many times that... They- I mean, they've been in a, a good number of games, especially without McCaffrey this year. And a couple, and where they won one of the games without Bridgewater and McCaffrey. So if they get some consistency in the front office, they might be okay going forward. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think, I mean, I saw Hard Knocks um, in Cleveland. Cleve, did you see the Hard Knocks with the Panthers a couple years ago? Uh, yeah. yeah, so that was like when that owner first, first bought the team and came in. And like, he seems like the exact perfect sort of owner you would like Cleve like he's involved but he's not Jerry Jones but he's also not Shad Khan where he's like not not around at all so that's why it actually strikes me as weird of this like awful decision to hang on to the GM for an extra year after he's involved in hiring the new coach and you got to hire a GM who the, the coach they have now Matt Rule might not be the GM's guy it just seems like a really bad way to do it 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, you and I talked about this yesterday offline, Dave. Um, to your point just now, you said that we talked about loosely about coaches. I'm sorry, uh, the owners that are involved at a macro and micro level. Um, obviously, Jerry Jones is on the other side of that spectrum, which he wants to control everything, be lord and master. And then you got people like the Jaguars owner, which I feel like, you know, hey, do football stuff. I'm just going to own the team. I like to relish in that kind of, um, you know, capital. So when it comes to this situation with this this uh, GM being fired, um, the president of the team, right? The, that's the, the guy above the GM, right? I don't know the hierarchy for all the teams, but I would assume that that person is involved with football operations. Maybe they didn't want this. And they said, well, you know what? This year our record's dog shit, and you're out. Finally, you're out. The coach is fine, but you're out. You know, you picked up this, you fired Ron Rivera, and this is where we're going to go. Yeah, it strikes me as a weird thing all, all the way around. I actually had a lot of hope for the Panthers going going forward, but that's that's a pretty big red flag. The, uh, the next game we have here, we have Matt's favorite division, the Texans 20 at the Colts 27. And for the second time in three weeks, the Texans fumble inside the five-yard line with a chance to tie the game with under a minute to go. <laughs> I truly do not understand, outside of just an inte- like personal integrity, why Deshaun Watson is trotting himself out there when it's very clear yep. that there's nothing. And like, and I'm yep. talking about like, so you know what though? Like, if he does that, then all of a sudden that 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 narrative of like the black athletes of diva comes up when it's really a hey, we're not playing for anything. There's COVID. You signed me to a long-term deal. This makes yep. business sense for the team to do this. And clearly the, the, the organization is not going to leave him out because he's their star player. But at the same time, him as the commodity, and he's got to think of himself as a brand. I was just thinking that the whole time. Every time they came up on the screen, I thought, why doesn't he just say, look, let's pack it in for the year and I'll see you next year. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I actually completely agree with that, Matt. And you said that um... – the organization wants to play him because he's the star player. I mean, to me, that's the reason to sit him because I the agree. last thing, the, the absolute last thing you want right now was to just show him what's an ACL injury because then when the next year is mm-hmm. gone too. You know, yeah. so like once you're out of it, these players that are really indispensable to, to your team, which in most cases is quarterback, couple star skill players, maybe a couple of point defensive players, like they just should not, they just should not be playing. And maybe they have like, incentives in their contract or whatever you know what just pay them because like and what does it matter just just pay them their incentives like nobody cares so yeah i like i i don't get it i'm with you i think you should just like just sort of opt out the rest of the season and especially if the organization is listening to like the sales guys and the marketing guys who are worried about these game by game uh, viewership metrics who cares because next year you're going to have no viewership if He's out for the year with a, an injury on a team that's four and ten, and clearly has nothing around him. Like he's carrying this team to the point that you could almost make an argument that he could be like a top five MVP candidate because he's doing so much with so little. I mean, I know that's not going to happen, but I think you get my larger point. There. Yeah, no, absolutely. I I completely take the point. Um, we'll talk more about the Colts when we discuss next week's schedule because they are in probably the most critical game of the week next week. But I do want to note that in this game, Zach Pascal, the wide receiver, five catches, 79 yards, and two touchdowns. And he is, like, right on the dust ball border. I can't I can't <laughs> quite figure it out because he disappears for large stretches without being injured. And then he'll pop up with a game like this. So I think he might be underused. Or is he underused because he's a dust ball? This, I, just, I, I can't quite figure it out. 
Uh, the next thing we have here, Lord help me, the Lions 25 at the Titans 46. Um, okay, <laughs> so I, I Garrett Henry is <laughs> close to 2,000 yards. And he's reasonably <laughs> close to the all-time rushing record. So if you're the Lions, and you're going to go up 46 points to the Titans, just help Derrick Henry get these records, please. You know, <laughs> but no, they don't do that. Uh, Cleve, can you just take a, a, a... Brian Tannehill threw the ball 27 times. Can you tell me how many yards and touchdowns he had? Uh, let's see. Uh, 127 yards... Maybe two touchdowns. Ryan Tannehill, 21 of 27, 273 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Three carries, 21 yards, two touchdowns. Ryan Tannehill scored five touchdowns. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, like, if it's not one thing, it's the other. The Lions come into the game with, like, well, the bottom three rush defense. Derrick Henry still got 24 carries for 147 yards and a touchdown. It's just, you know, it's, it's so infuriating how bad this team is on defense. And I'm trying to be looking forward to the future because Patricia is gone. But how are they this terrible on defense? I don't understand it. The only good thing I have to say about the Lions is that DeAndre Swift had 15 carries for 67 yards and two touchdowns. And I would actually like to see what it looks like when the Lions have a lead. And he, like, gets a ton of carries. We're probably not going to see that to 2025. But, uh, uh, yeah, this game was infuriating. Even though, like, the season is over and I have no expectations, I was just... So tilted watching Ryan Tannehill go five touchdowns. Look like Kyler Murray. Did uh did Henry um have another stiff arm game? Um, yes. Yeah. I mean, it, <laughs> nothing. I keep to throw Josh Norman again. Uh, but you know the Lions they, they literally couldn't stop anybody in any direction. I mean, Corey Davis was over a hundred yards receiving. I mean, it was just an absolutely pathetic uh, performance. The only good thing about this is that it does further clog up the muck in Matt's favorite division. It does. So uh, if I can bring up a larger point about that division, I just for the listeners who have heard me uh, talk about the division, it's really a personal bias about finding the, the general aesthetic of their football boring and not something that I want to see like in the Super Bowl, for instance, which is why I was so upset that the Titans were, were where they were. And I thought if they beat the Chiefs, I'm going to be so pissed because I don't want to see that in the Super Bowl. Like that's the one game a year like everybody watches and you're going to get that on the side. But what I have to say is it's not as if the way that they play is ineffective or it's not good. And I don't think and I want to make it clear that I never said that. However, I have to ask if the, let's say that for some strange way, the Titans and Colts meet in the AFC championship game. Uh, should we have some live watch party where I am forced to sit there and watch this with all the commercials? Because it, it, it basically means that we as a show have gone national because both the Colts and Titans listen to political football and know I hate them so much. If, if these two teams make the AFC title game, uh, yes, we have to like live stream you. I'm like live watching this game and getting, getting, your, getting your reaction to it. However... That means that each one of those teams the week before probably beat Buffalo and Kansas City. Mm -hmm. So the game might not be quite so boring because they've at least earned their place there. I think there's a chance you might actually get this game, though, um, in like the first round of the playoffs. Like a Titans-Colts round three in the first round when like Kansas City's not even available to watch that weekend or something. 
but yeah, if we get mm-hmm. if we get Texans or Colts anytime in the playoffs, or I'm sorry, uh, Colts or Titans anytime in the playoffs, yeah, I think you should be forced to have to sit there, sit there and watch it. Yes, Hello. and you know, and the game is gonna there. You can't be distracted. No phone. Like you just have to sit there and watch the game. It'll be like when Jesus. Shia LaBeouf watched his own movies and filmed himself watching the movies, but you had no idea what he was watching. <laughs> um, but you know what would happen, though, is those two teams would meet, and I would say, oh, this is going to be boring, and it would be like 56-55 uh, in overtime or something stupid like that. And I, it would just be the ultimate fuck you to me. And it, like I said, it would prove that the show has gone national because it's very clear that the front offices listen to the show and we're like, we're going to show this guy exactly what's up. Somehow... I would rather throw in that um, in addition to what Dave laid out and what Matt kind of iced it over with, that I have Matthew McConaughey and Vin Diesel call the oh, game for God's sakes. <laughs> <laughs> somehow, somehow this game would end with Phil Rivers throwing a pick six in overtime to Derrick Henry. I'm not exactly sure how it would happen, but it's definitely how this game would go if they had to play again. Actually, it'd be a, a Hail Mary that was knocked down and was out there and for some reason Henry was out there and it got tipped to him and he ran it back. <laughs> be... No, the Jets only have that kind of love. No, no, the thing about Cleve, like for some reason Derek Henry's just covering the slot receiver. Uh <laughs> hitting it too far to the inside at about the, the 35 yard line. Henry picks it off. Uh Felt Rivers goes to try to cut off the angle and Derek Henry stiff arms him into 2023. Yeah, I mean better yet it's a goal line fade over the card. Oh my god, I never considered that. Oh, I never considered that at all. That the game could happen and then it ends on a goal line fade. Oh, 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 that was different Zach Pascal. <laughs> oh, that was awesome. Wow. Actually, hold on, Philip Rivers to like Jack Doyle. That would be the ultimate dust ball uh, throw there. Awesome. Oh. Awesome. Awesome. Oh, I'm lurching <laughs> thinking about this. Well, that's okay. We can uh, talk about the a much better division, and that's the NFC North. We have the Bears 33 at the Vikings 27. And I have a couple notes on this game. The first one, though, this is for the listeners out playing fantasy football, which I assume is is most of most of the listeners. David Montgomery in this game, 32 carries for 146 yards and two touchdowns. That is obviously a great stat line. He's coming on here at the end of the season. I'm telling you right now, David Montgomery is a dust ball. Do not draft him in fantasy next season. He's going to be going towards the end of the first round, top of the second round. He's going to be overdrafted. Let other people make that mistake. I will reiterate this as we get closer to the next season. But go ahead and mark it down now. Do not touch David Montgomery in season-long fantasy football next year. You will be very happy with that decision. If you're playing on DraftKings or FanDuel for the rest of this year, yes, you can play him. Um... My other note is that Delvin Cook had 24 carries for 132 yards and a touchdown, which is also a good stat line. So my question is that why would the Vikings hit a fourth and one that they had to convert to stay alive and keep the game going? Did they run a play-action bootleg with Kirk Cousins? (laughs) (laughs) Because they are 6-8? and I I don't... I mean, this this is even worse than, like, the Super Bowl... The Seahawks quick slant, no Marshawn play. Because, like, that's at least putting the game in Russ's hands. You're going to bootleg Kirk Cousins for the game? Kirk Cousins. Yep. To Matt's point, they're six and eight. <laughs> it's like, Kirk what else Cousins is a slow Jason Witten. <laughs> what in the world are they thinking? 
And the fact that they lost to the Bears, and it's funny because uh, my brother-in-law asked me the other night, is Mitch Trubisky any good? And I'm like, well, we both know the answer to that. He's better than Nick Foles, but he's not good. So the fact that the Vikings, who personally I think are more talented than the Bears, like, I mean, Adam Thielen had two catches. Two. Mm-hmm. Why? Why? Like, I don't understand how that happens. I mean, Dalvin Cook, they wasted another, they wasted a Dalvin Cook 24 carries, uh, 130 yards and a touchdown. Like, they wasted it. And this is going to be one of those things where the Bears are going to play just good enough that people are going to wonder, is Mitch still the guy? And I don't think he's the, he's not the guy. Totally. No, he's, well, he's auditioning for another spot. Right, but he's like, like he has, okay, so he's like, helping he's himself. like last in the league almost in all of these like advanced metrics on how far he intended to throw the ball and how far the completed passes were. Like, well, I've said that about Big Ben and Drew Brees. Like, so it's just not something that's going to translate in the NFL long term. Like, he's uh, yes, he's he's auditioning for another job, but I hope to God it's a backup job. No, he's auditioning for the St. Louis well, well, Battle Hawks. I mean, he's not. Yeah, well, 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 ask Deshaun and and Pat Mahomes that when they auditioned or they got interviewed that they didn't fit the culture and Mitch did. And so we know what fit the done. culture means, right? Because Mark Sanchez fit the Redskins culture. Oh, excuse me. Um, but but some, but some guy who hasn't played in the league who almost won a Super Bowl uh, didn't fit the culture. I love the culture. That's one of my favorite. Yep, there we go. My, one of my favorite terms, the culture. Like, we know what that means. Yeah, when we talk when we talk about people who when they say fit the culture, they mean the culture of people who will say the Washington Redskins unironically. And like they don't see what the big deal is. And like why are they called the football team? But that's the culture that like Mahomes doesn't fit in. Because he was probably like he probably showed up and was like, That's trash. Why don't we do why don't we do something different? And they're like, You don't fit the culture. Um Yeah, he's a troublemaker. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> point. Um, I did not write any of this stuff down for this, but uh, you know, a lot of like the the fantasy nerds have really pointed out that Mitch Trubisky is great at beating bad teams, and he's pretty decent at beating decent teams, but he has no shot at beating good teams. Yeah. So that's why, like, like he's like six and one against the Lions. <laughs> you know, he just like he just like, owns wow. the Lions. He goes for three hundred yards all the time. Um, he does okay against the Vikings, but like they can't beat the Packers, you know. So yeah, I mean he'll get a backup spot in the NFL, but he is like number two on my list of guys that just need to go to the XFL for a year or two, get a lot of playing time, being the absolute man on their squad, and then then come back to a backup spot because they're so he's so young yet. What is he like? Mm-hmm. So uh, that's mm-hmm. what I would do. That's what I would do there. Uh, the next game here. Uh, speaking of the Washington football team, the Seahawks 20, the football team 15. And uh, give me one second here. I just want to pull I want to pull up the Seahawks entire team information because they barely hung on to win this game. They almost lost this game. They very much could have. Russell Wilson throws the ball 27 times for 121 yards, one touchdown, one pick. That's Trubisky-ass <laughs> numbers. Like, if you told me that was Mitch's numbers <laughs> against the Vikings, I'd be like, yeah. That, that makes sense. And then Chris Carson has 15 carries for 63 yards because he sucks. Um, DK Metcalf, five catches for 43 yards. Tyler Rocket, four catches for 34 <laughs> yards. I do not understand what is so hard to understand about this for Cheedy PD Pete Carroll. Throw the ball every play. Every play. Just just throw the ball every play. And, and, and like, and maybe eight times a game you run it to really just confuse the other team or whatever. But you you almost lost to Washington 
because Metcalf and Lockett combined for nine catches for quick math, 77 yards. Nine for 77. If Kenny Galladay did that in a game, I'd call it a failure. I, I, I'm so tilted. I'm so mad. The take that I saw <laughs> on this was that Russ played well within the game plan that was called. And I thought, I know exactly what that means. The game plan was shit. Right? <laughs> I mean, we, we this is actually a narrative on the Seahawks for a few weeks now, where I think Dave pointed it out like three or four weeks ago about how Pete Carroll inexplicably said, I want to be a more balanced football team. That's not who your football team is. Right. It's not who they were when they were winning. And guess what? You're a more balanced football team because you're winning as much as you're losing now. So there you go. He's got the balance he was looking for. Right. I mean, I think that the balanced Seahawks would be the second best team in the NFC East. <laughs> like, I don't understand how you look at this tape and you think anything other than we just need to throw it all the time. I, I, I don't get it. The other point I want to make on this game is that um, I mentioned Trubisky to the XFL. And by the way, for listeners, I'm serious about that. That's like a bit. I think that a lot of these young quarterbacks that are struggling should not waste their time backing up on an NFL team. You don't get the reps in practice. You don't get to play. You don't get to develop. I think that, and there's no minor league for the NFL. So I think going to the XFL and actually like having a chance to play is good. And I think Dwayne Haskins is the number one player on this list. This kid was overdrafted. I think he came out a year too early from Ohio State, overdrafted, thrown into play way too soon, and it's just sort of stunted him a little bit. But I think this kid's got a ton of talent, and he should just go play for the Orlando Pirates or whatever for a year or two, do a really good job, and then come back in and back up some you know old guy at the time who's about to be leaving and then try to get in the NFL, and he'll be 28 at the time that he comes back. I, you know, I think that's a legitimate, a legitimate path for players like, uh, like uh, Dwayne Haskins. It's an, it's an interesting point that you're making, Dave. And since you've made it a couple of times, and you've made it in previous weeks too, definitely something that we could talk about in the off season is whether it makes sense. I mean, I realize the business side of it is, is a complicating matter, but the XFL almost being like a, a minor league system, so to speak, where or D, you know, like the what is it, the, the, the D league in the in the NBA or something like that, where. Yeah. You can have a situation like this where we know these guys are talented. They're either in the wrong place or they need some type of seasoning before they can come back. And and perhaps it expands the lifespan of some of these guys who get drafted. And they can't really – like Dwayne Haskins it didn't have any idea where he was going to be drafted. And just because he got overdrafted doesn't – like that's not an indictment on him. He is what he is. And you're right, Dave. I think it would be great for some of these guys to get some of that seasoning and come back. But it is an interesting thing to think about for the offseason of, you know, how much sense does it make if the XFL has a good year of some type of a, an, you know, a situation where they could almost be like that developmental league for some of these guys? I mean, look at look at Tom Brady. He was 199, yep. right? And look at Russ. Well, third. Fifth rounder? Sixth rounder? I can't even remember. I'm oh, sorry, third rounder? Yeah. So, I mean... Other than what we got coming out of college, you know, with Trevor Lawrence, I mean, when was the last um, Andrew Luck. can't miss? Um, Andrew Luck, Andrew probably. Luck? Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's very hard for a quarterback coming out now with the, um, how the NFL is, is, is kind of being played now, where these guys have to be forced to play right away. You know, these guys got to come in. There's no Aaron Rodgers situation where you sit for 10,000 years because Brett Favre doesn't want to leave, and then you finally get the keys to the kingdom. So it's like... It's like, yeah, I, I agree with both of you guys about getting into a, like a developmental league or whatever it is. But 
it's a it's a very violent sport and it is something where you have to maximize enough dollars uh, enough playing time to do that so these guys are going to probably be you know not receptive it's like oh i'm going to spend three years down here and you know get my knee tore up and never make the big money yeah so, and that's why there's complicating factors to it but um, yep. It is an interesting yep. concept to think about for these guys because if they're not going to make it in the big show, they they want to play somewhere. So either way, if they're playing in the XFL, they're risking that injury uh, because they don't quite have the tools to sustain at a, at the level that they think they should. So there's there's different ways to think about it too. Yep. Yep. Let me ask you guys real quick before we move on. So when it comes to um, and I'm I'm going to keep this exclusive to quarterbacks. Uh, is it an indictment on the 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 uh, diversity and the variety of, of the play calling and the, and the offensive schemes, or is it you know and, and the guy has to think through that, or is it just that what they did in college against the Pac-10 doesn't translate? So I think NFL? that it's it's different for each quarterback, but quarterback is a, is like one of those rare positions in sports where quarterbacks aren't aren't usually at their best until they're around the age of thirty. Right, Andrew Luck retired, okay. literally heading to the prime of his career. You know, um, and okay. that's why I think that if you come in young, 21, 22, and you get thrown in and you're not good, I don't think it means you're not good. You know, I think that it means that it just you just weren't ready yet. But if you got the physical ability and whatever, there's a good chance for it. As far as like how playing against college translates to the NFL. Well, that's true of everybody. I mean, and the NFL, it's their job. I mean, officially, it's their job. And they do it, you know, 80 hours a week, and it's all they do. And so coverages are much more complex and different, and offensive playbooks are more complex and different. So, of course, it's going to take some some adjusting mm-hmm. there. And maybe there is a bit of um, – it takes some guys much longer to adjust uh, than, than some others. I think one thing that really benefited – uh, Tom Brady was one. He was very much underdrafted. For those of us who watched him at Michigan, we were shocked he went so late. Uh, but also, it's very yeah. clear that he was able to come in and understand all the concepts and NFL defenses and whatever within like the year and a half it took him to start. So, in the off season, I would be curious. I want us to kind of look up Wonderlick scores to see where these college players, air quotes college players, because you know we know that they're amateur athletes. Um, and trying to go pro, where they where they stack up with decision making and thinking and all of that, because it's not a it's not a, a true test of, of of how you perform, because you physically have to go out there and do it. But I think quarterback, I remember if I remember correctly, you guys can probably like look this up, meaning you and the listeners, you guys and listeners, where I think it was Cam Newton sitting on sitting in Gruden's camp and was clueless when the big board came up for him to regurgitate a playback. He looked. Like lost, He's like well, we don't, we kind of don't do it like that. We just kind of run. That's an injection on Gruden, not and in Cam I'm Newton. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, to to tell a guy the play is this and get to the whiteboard and, and draw it up, I think it's fat. I think I love that about about Gruden Camp when he used to do it because I'm like, wow, you know, you're gonna regurgitate a play here, and know where everyone's gonna be, you know, and this is just him telling you it, and you you get to the board and you have to, you know, call it up, so. A lot of I, I don't think Haskins, and again, I'm, I don't know the guy. I've met him twice. And I, I don't know him personally, but I met him twice, and I'm, I'm not saying he's not the sharpest tool in the shed. But I'm like, can he can he do the playbook? I heard Donovan McNabb's playbook was dumbed down. Yeah, I mean, and that's, I don't that's know. exactly right. Now I don't know about so much about the Wonderlick, just because like all standardized tests, 
and it's biased in certain directions. And also from personal experience, I had to take the Wonderlick test. I got a yeah, I got a yeah, 41 Matt, out of 50, which is apparently really good. But I also graduated high school with a 2.8. So like, who the fuck knows? Right? Like, like literally, oh, who? Shit. Like, who? Who knows? Like, it doesn't. It. It. You know. I think that it's more like, um, you know, because then you have to worry about like adjusting to the league and being. You know, maybe it's your first time really far away, or it's your first time in a new area. You know, maybe you're from the state of Michigan and you go to school in Wisconsin and then you get drafted by Seattle. It's like, oh, Jesus, like, this is way different, you know. Yeah. It could be any any number of factors. Yeah. I just think that the way through it is not sitting on the bench, not getting reps, backing up somebody else, and then getting thrown into an NFL game with no preparation like Marcus Mariota, right? I think it's going somewhere else, playing oh. for a couple of years, being the leader on a team, and then coming back. And Her- I mean, look at Herbert. He found nice. out game day. You're going in. Right. <laughs> Right, exactly. Um, so the next game uh, we have here, speaking of uh, rookie quarterbacks, we have the Pats 12 at the Dolphins 22. And um, I only have one note on this game before I turn it over to Matt for his uh, Pats uh, thoughts. But uh, the Dolphins continue winning without much talent. And I think that's good. Uh, good reflection on both the coach and on Tua. Because Tua's mm-hmm. winning these games without a lot of talent. And now Cleve. Can you tell me who led the Miami Dolphins in receptions? It was Durham Smythe. That's a real person. He's a tight end. Went to Notre Dame. He's actually really good in college. Uh, five catches for 40 yards. Led the team. And they won by 10. <laughs> so, you know, I think, I think the Dolphins are actually legit. Jesus. And, you know, they had another, you know, they had Stefan Diggs next year. Not him specifically, but Stefan Diggs of next year. It could be, you know, they could be right there. Now, Matt, yeah. what do you think about your Patriots here? Well, um, I, I think they're obviously not playing well, and I don't think there's anybody who's going to say that otherwise. But I think next year may or may not be a better indicator of where Belichick is on the rebuilding front because he's obviously an, an excellent head coach, but is he the kind of guy to do a full rebuild in this way? We're not sure. Like, next year, guys that opted out, you know, come back so they have more of a full complement at least uh, in that regard uh, the, I think the biggest decision that they have is one do they keep Cam Newton thinking that he is not the issue and then putting more talent around him or do they go some other way I think the big question for me now in the last two games is do you continue to put Newton out there for those two games or do you see what you have in Jarrett Stidham uh, to give you a better indication of what's happening. I know that Cam had an Instagram post where it seemed to indicate that he was coming back next year. I just don't know if that's necessarily the answer or if perhaps, you know, this year, like this year's so tough because we didn't really know what they were going to be coming in. They looked really good. And then you can't go two and six on the road, uh, even especially in a year where there's yeah. no fans and um, you know, Cam getting COVID, I realize that's part of it, but so many players have, so I'm not sure how much that, you know, that, that really doesn't play into, into it for me. I just think next year will be a better indicator knowing that they at least don't have to worry about what's happening now. And they have some time to address the needs of this year. Cause like this year was a great year to have an off year in my opinion, because it's COVID and everything like that. So you, it's for a lot of these teams that have played bad, you can almost give them a pass. They get to see what, you know, comes up in the draft. Uh, you know, what they want to do. Uh, I think that'll be the most interesting thing going forward. Do you guys think, um, and I know we, we kind of had some tongue-in-cheek uh, tongue shit uh, a, little, a little while ago about, about culturally fitting. 
um, do you think Cam is a cultural fit? And I, and I don't mean this in a racial sense in in the New England um, organization as far as how they run the ship there. Because like I said, I had inside knowledge about you know games that they've won, not this year, but when Gronk was on the team and, and Brady and they, these guys were getting dressed down in front of the entire team during a win. You know, like do you think that this type of play, this type type of quarterback, I guess I should say is conducive with the type of way that they that Josh McDaniels so, and Belichick kind of runs their own. Yes, yes, this, I this do. I think Cam's actually that. a really good fit for there. And it's because... So Cam Newton is weird, uh, and I love it, but he's not like... He's not weird in the sense of like not being able to get along or know what's happening around him. He's just sort of like, you know, the way he dresses in his posts and whatever. Like, he's just sort of out there. He's like an artist in it. Or Russ Westbrook. Like, I absolutely love it. Yeah. But... Cam Newton originally signed with the University of Florida, and he, in the dorms, he stole a laptop from another dorm room, and then when campus police came come came to find it, he threw it out his third story window. Um, suddenly did he steal it? He broke it, mm. and uh, so he got kicked off of Florida, had mm-hmm. to go to junior college, and then transfers back to Auburn. So he cites he has cited before is that incident being one of the best things that ever happened to him. Because it taught him how to, like, actually consequences for actions. As you can imagine, as a young athlete, he didn't have faced that many before. Um, and so I think that he's actually mm-hmm. better prepared to just get absolutely destroyed in front of the team for playing poorly than some, than some other people. Like, I think he's already been publicly embarrassed and shamed enough over what happened in college of losing his initial opportunity and almost his entire opportunity that I actually think he's the exact perfect type of person for for that situation. For that situation. I um so in his junior college run, yeah. he went there, set yes. all kinds of records and tore that league up because he was Cam Newton. And then the reason I say that is because um I'm gonna use Brady and Cam as a as a flip flop here. So obviously you know, Brady left, and, you know, they had to move on from, from that. Cam coming in. So th- both these guys are coming to a new team, right? Both these guys are leaving. Co- well, in Cam's uh, situation, he left Riverboat Ron, which I mm-hmm. think that they probably had a great relationship. Like, basically, Cam got to kind of do what he wanted to do. Like, you know, Ron's like, listen, if you need to improvise here, go for it. Brady, not so much with Belichick and then Belichick and Cam it's like listen the game plan is this let's do it because even their scripted plays it looks like the team isn't like on the same page when they're out there like they're trying to figure it out we all know the people opted out we all know that they don't have the weapons that's why Brady kind of like well I'm out so I think with a compliment of through the draft or how they trade or how they acquire players they build a better team I think they're gonna have a better run and I think the rebuild is gonna take probably just a year for them to get back because mm-hmm. the coaching is master class coaching you know it's master class coaching and they pretty much they won yes. what six games with, with virtually nothing nothing out there against teams that are like the bills teams that are are jacked up they went out there and and they hung they hung in as best as they could so i think they're gonna recover really quickly and i think the coaching will see how how they come back I said this coaching. at the beginning of the year, or when, excuse me, the beginning of my run on this show about Brady moving to a new system for the first time. The same goes for the Patriots as well. This is the first time in 19 years that they have not had that stability yes. within the organization. So this is yep. Bill Belichick now. 
doing something different. And he's been longing for this because they obviously, you know, wanted to get rid of Brady with the Garoppolo stuff and move on earlier than that. But things happened and they are where they are. And now it's new for everybody. So this is a fresh start for Bill in the sense that, you know, in, in all the previous 19 years, he knew what he had, at least in terms of consistency with quarterbacking. And he knew how to coach to that. Right. So all the coaches knew that. This year, they didn't have that. They bring in Cam Newton, who, after you know last year, this is sort of a uh, a rebuild year for him, too. So they're coming together in this endeavor. And there have been a lot of bumps on, in the road. When you have a, a turnover in, the, you know, in, in, um, in scheming and, and so forth, and then you add in the fact that they don't really have a lot of talent, at least skill maker, skill position guys, right? Big playmakers. It, it hinders the process, and you're going to have some bumps in the road. So I kind of am with you both where I think Cam is a good fit because one, we haven't heard any stories and the media always wants to get inside, you know, the, what, you know, the Belichick stuff, because remember all the articles that came out about all the tension between him and Brady and so forth. So if there were fighting infighting, Cam was a malcontent, things like that. I think we would have heard about that. They've had nothing but good things to say about each other. Cam, for lack of a better term, sounds like a Patriot in all of his press conferences. Um, and I, so I don't, I don't think that it's a cultural fit in that sense. I think it's just, hey, this is new for BB. This is kind of new for for Cam. Like he's trying to get himself back, the old Cam back. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's really yep. what it is. And I, I don't, you know, for a lot of people are really honing in on all the Patriots. It's great that they stink, and that's fine. But like, they had a 19-year consistent run. So like, no, franchises don't do that, and we may never see that. So like, this year of a turnover, if it only takes a year, and next year they win 10 games. That does show the the, the coaching is, is so much different. But I just mean, when I said Bill might not be the right guy for the, the rebuild, I mean, think about where he is. He's almost 70 years old. You know, that's that's a lot of, of, of turning the clock all the way back to, to when he came here in 2000, basically. when he was, That's the last time he had like a fresh start, if you think about it. So, okay. Yeah. The, uh, the next game we have here, we right. have... The Jags 14 at the Ravens 40, and we don't have uh, too much on this game, obviously. The Jaguars are terrible. The Ravens are playing well. Uh, but, Cleve, I did want to let you know that in this game, we had a Des Bryant touchdown. That's right. He did. Throw he did. The X. He he the X he threw it twice, actually. <laughs> um, and then the only other note nice. for this game is that, um, as we'll discuss later, the Jaguars now have the first overall pick in the draft. Um, and in the offseason, we're going to talk a little bit about should they have the first overall pick of the draft? <laughs> well, they fired their GM, so uh, we'll see. Yep. We'll see how um, the, the next game we have, uh, uh, one that here was a very good football game, but I don't think it told us very much that's that new. And that's the uh, Bucks 31 at the Falcons 27. Um so, first and foremost, I do want to note here on the Falcons that they have played five games without Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley has gone over 100 yards in four of them. So, yes. I advise uh, Matt and his wife to stop dropping Calvin Ridley from the Kansas football team. Oh, he's on my team, and uh, I played her this week, and he scored like 33 points yes. in So, she got Ridley, as I said, and she's like, of course <laughs> Um And then, in this game, Tom Brady threw 45 passes. He threw 28 to the big four receivers, Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and Rob Gronkowski. And then he threw nine to the running backs, which you know Brady loves to throw running backs, so that's fine. 
which means that he only threw about nine to dust balls. So that's good because they had to come back from a, uh, a huge, a huge deficit here. And now, Matt, you want to talk a bit about that huge deficit? I have to ask, uh, who in the Falcons organization is going to draw the short straw and tell Arthur Blank to stop coming on the field <laughs> before the game is over? Yep. So like, fucking jinx. This has happened. He He's is like a four rabbit court. It's happened so many times. And the one I saw was him with a mask on, which is fantastic. So, and, he, and like, the best part is he looks so... <laughs> It's like he, he looks like he's never seen this before. And I'm thinking, dude, you've seen this so many times from this particular vantage point. Stay in the box until the zeros are up there. But, I mean, that's the comedic part of it. But overall, there's something about the personnel on the Falcons and just the organizational culture in which they don't have the mental toughness to close out these games. And I, I think it's so, it's so, so obvious. But it's awesome to, to look at Arthur Blank because he's out there on the field. And I'm like, dude. Like, stay away. But I just want to know who's going to do it because I think at this point, this show needs to use pulling an Arthur Blank, and we got to figure out some way to do this uh, and what kind of a situation that this goes to because I'm trying to think of how to do it at my workplace, and I think I'd get fired if I did. So that's just what I thought, and I just... I had to laugh because I'm thinking, why? Why is he down there? He is such a moron. Yeah, I mean, I think... I, I mean, I'm I'm not as much as you guys know. I'm not as much a hand in the dirt uh, sort of sort of opinion. I do things more data driven. But I actually sort of agree with Matt here that like like the Falcons are just soft, and I don't know I don't know what it is. And I said this before the general election, and I'm going to say it again here before these runoffs we have coming up in a couple of weeks. I don't want any Falcons campaigning for John Alsop or Raphael Warnock. Keep them away. Keep them away from them because right now they're winning in the polls by about a point, and I don't want any, I don't want any of this choking nonsense. Now, do you guys think when Arthur Blank, who owns Home Depot, do you think when he visits the Home Depot that Lowe's stock just goes up? Oh, that's yeah. <laughs> or there's like a workplace accident every time he yeah, gets into one of the uh, one one of the franchises, but. Dave, to your point, though, like you, you, as you know, like I'm an analytics guy too. I'm, I'm a very data-driven person, but there are times in which, and whatever you want to go with the gut, your, your, you know, the eye test, the sniff test, whatever it is. But sometimes there are moments where you don't have to see data to know something is true, or not necessarily true, but that either perception is true. And the Falcons are that. Like you just look at them and you know they are soft. They're lacking something there, and I don't need data to look at it. It's just. We, we have all of these games in which they can't close out teams. And it's an organizational thing that is rampant through. And it's like a mix of the organization and the personnel. And I don't know how to fix it at this point because I'm not necessarily sure that the players are, are totally to blame for it. Yeah. On the other side is coin. I mean, we're not, we're discounting that Tom Brady is like a fighter who has seen everything with his time in the league. And I honestly, what I saw was quarterbacking um, outside of the what the coaching game plan was because I think I honestly think that Bruce Arians and that and that and that uh, coaching staff needs to let Tom cook. That's how we say let, let Russ cook because Tom. I think I think Tom responds to like, listen, we're down here. Let me just fucking play football and get the and get the guys rallied because I don't I don't think that the there's like a connection with the the trust. That Bruce and him on the sidelines, face to face, like let's let's do this here. I think Tom says, "Listen, 
you know what? We're down here. So I think that there might be something to that, but I also don't think that it's that it's as like um what's what I'm looking for here? Like trying to figure out what's up with the Bucks because they're total frauds. They're basically the Raiders, just fancier. Like this team sucks. They aren't good. And they they keep getting exposed, but winning and soon they're gonna be exposed. They're gonna be exposed for real. They really should have have lost this game but the only reason they didn't lose this game i mean the only like three teams that could have played against and still won this game are the falcons the lions and the jets like those are the only three teams capable of blowing the lead that they had here um and but one thing too that i did see here that i do want to note is that the falcons did give a blueprint for how to beat tampa and that is that the falcons did not run the ball at all even when they were winning uh, because you can't really run on Tampa, yeah. and Todd Gurley has 60 yards on his last 23 carries. So they just threw the ball nonstop, and I do think that for teams looking going forward to Seattle, that if you do end up playing Tampa Bay, that is the way That is the way to do it. Yeah, I just, like I said, I, I you know, frauds or not, I think that mm-hmm. a quarterback who's been in a lot of scrums, a lot of games, I think that's that says a lot. And he defeated a quarterback he defeated in the Super Bowl. So when 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 that's a head to head like that, we've seen enough from from Matt Ryan to know that you know when you're playing against Tom yeah, Brady, yeah, I'm willing, I'm willing like to hear some reason that the Bucks might not be fraudulent if Bruce Arians basically let Tom Brady coach the team, but uh, I don't think that's going to happen. So unfortunately, it's just... no, not not from a not from a ex. So I'm a, I'm a I'm a big proponent of when you're on the field, like it's like the like the Mahomes and 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 uh, Andy Reid thing. Right, obviously, Mahomes is a special talent, but I think that there has to be some kind of thing where the quarterback and the coach are like the trust is there to say, "Listen, things go this way. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna, you know, let you de- figure it out because you're on the field. I'm watching it from the booth, but you're on the field or the sideline or whatever." I just think that with a like you have Tom Brady, whether Tom Brady's 45, 47, 82 years old, you have Tom Brady out there, right? He can do enough to manage a win. Act like you have Tom Brady out there. Like you're not playing with fucking uh, Peter Man. You're not playing with Daniel some, Jones. Some player that we don't know. We're playing with Tom Brady. Yeah, play, yeah. Tom Brady. Yeah, Tom you're not Brady playing with still uh, win games. Uh, I don't know Jeff Hotstetler or something. Um. Uh. Yeah. So okay. So <laughs> exactly. the next thing we have here, we have the 49ers 33 at the Cowboys 41, and this was an entertaining game. I don't want to spend too much time on it because you know. Neither of these teams are relevant going forward for the rest for the rest of the year. Um, I do want to just make two quick points. The first is that Tony Pollard is the best running back on Dallas. Um, and that might be a hot take, but I damn well mean it. Um, and then the second point is that C.D. Lamb, five catches, 85 yards, and that onside kick return touchdown. And then Brandon Ayuk, nine catches, 73 yards, and a touchdown. This wide receiver class has been absolutely amazing. That's just two more rookies. That look like they're going to be just absolute studs going forward. I only have one thing to add in this game. I have the privilege of watching this game with my in-laws, as I've said on the show, are Cowboys fans. And I was able to see what was called at the time the most Cowboys sequence ever in which the Cowboys ran back the onside kick for a touchdown and then gave up a Hail Mary touchdown and still won the game. Unfri- I was like, that's good. And I, I immediately went to the spread on the game to think that that screw over a whole bunch of people who, who bet the line and it was four. So everybody was safe. Yep. So I just thought that was fantastic. But also the other thing is I said out loud, I was like, you know, Cow- this this look of this game, because I love 
uh, the, the 49ers reds and gold pants. Like, I'm a huge uniform junkie. And I was like, this look right here, it's a good-looking game, but this was basically the NFC Championship game for, like, the 80s and 90s. And uh, now it's 2-5 and 19s. Oh, <laughs> the next game we have here, yep. uh, lots in this one. Uh, we have the Eagles 26 at the Cardinals 33. And uh, I just want to make a couple quick notes here for, for the stats. First of all, Kyler Murray is healthy again. You know, he can say whatever they want about his his not being hurt with his AC joint or whatever, but clearly he was hurt, and now he's not. 27 to 36, 403 yards, three touchdowns, uh, one interception, then eight carries, 29 yards, and a touchdown. Of those 36 passes, 11 went towards New Hopkins, thank goodness. But she turned those 11 targets into nine catches for 169 yards and a touchdown, the last touchdown of which set me absolutely tilting because it knocked me out of the $50,000 first place tournament. So I'm very upset. Um, but it was a great catch by Nuke. And then the most important thing from this game, your boy Jalen Hurts cleave. 24-44, 338 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, 11 carries, 63 yards, and a touchdown. Yeah, Carson Wentz will <laughs> pack his back. I think... <laughs> Yeah, uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm so uh, serious. He can pack George from the PFF podcast, Pro Football Focus podcast. He's the one that asked the question, or he said that he would take Deshaun Watson number two overall if they redid the draft for the entire league. He point this week. He said if Jalen Hurts had been named the starter for the Eagles at the start of the season, they're winning this division hands down. Yep, I agree with that. The team plays better without Carson. Whoever else can take the take the helm. Carson is, I don't, I think he peaked. I think he peaked. And he got paid all that money. And it's going to be an expensive The interesting divorce. aspect of this, too, is if you're Carson Wentz, and obviously, I mean, I get it. He's disappointed in being a backup. He just want to be a backup. Fine. But this is now twice. So the Super Bowl year in which he got hurt, not his fault. And the team responds with Nick Foles. And I think he was even the next year he got hurt. And the team again responded with Nick Foles. And Nick Foles is Nick Foles at this point. But now, this year, he goes in there, he plays terrible. The team responds to Jalen Hurts. That matters. Like, that obviously means that he is not the guy for at least this team. Does it mean he's washed for good? No. But to me, that is an indictment on whether you're the guy or not. When now twice other guys have come in, stepped in for you, whether it's to injury or bad play, and the team has been elevated, not necessarily always getting wins, but elevated, to me, that's an indictment on you, you and your relationship with the with the players that are on this team, or whether they think you are the leader of this team. Yep. I mean, I mean, I mean, it's better. It's easier said than done. That especially in sports, when you someone comes in for you, and you throw a a a a, uh, a vocal pity party, says, "Oh, I'm not happy with this." We well, you had ten fucking weeks to play. You had ten weeks, and it was dog shit every week. So I agree with the coaches saying, "Hey." You know, we got to see something else. It's been 10 weeks. Let's, let's go another way. Let's see what we got and kind of do that. And I'm glad, good for Jalen, that he's playing the way he's playing, bro. Like, whether he stays with the Eagles or however that works out, good for him. But Carson, I'm I'm not saying he's a bad, like, oh, we should just dump him forever. But I don't think he gets another Eagles start probably yeah, I mean, until Jalen gets hurt. This is, this is such a tricky situation because once is being paid so much money, and the team, the team has been the injuries. The team almost like um, specifically fit what Jalen Hurts can do well—that mobility, that get out of the pocket, plays on the move. 
that maybe if the Eagles' offensive line yep. weren't starting, like literally, if another play gets hurt, Matt takes over at right tackle. Like this, this is how bad it's it's getting. So maybe if the team, <laughs> which is built around Carson, actually existed, you know, Carson would be would be looking a little bit better. But the thing is, you know, hurts. He's he's played so well that. I don't see. I don't see how they go. They go back from him. He's got to keep it going. You know, we don't have any, yeah, we don't have anything tested Herbert yet. You know, Herbert's done yep, like week in and week out for the entire hot season in. now. But I mean, Hurts is now playing a better game than I don't mm-hmm. know any. I'm most other quarterbacks in that division this year besides Dak. So I would. Uh, I would probably just just keep it going there. Now, I do Dave. Want, oh, oh yeah. Uh, I was gonna say I got one stat for you. Okay. Uh, Larry Fitz Larry Fitzgerald scored his first touchdown of the season yesterday. Yeah. Which was his seventeenth year in a row with a with a t- one at least one touchdown. And the uh, only player to score in more seasons than that is Jerry Rice. That is wait absolutely minute, wait great. It was a fantastic so he yes, scored his first amazing. touchdown? It was. Wait you a minute. It, wait, I'm still first on one. I'm still on it's week fourteen. Dave called him a dust ball, his first oh touchdown, but he's in good company. <laughs> 17 years straight with a touchdown, and only Jerry Rice has more, but the catch was phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal. And I and I did say that Larry Fitzgerald is a dust ball because wow. he's effectively now just a red zone tight end. And then he's Cameron Bray. How they used him. <laughs> yeah, he, he's like he's like he is now <laughs> Jimmy Graham in his prime. <laughs> like you just use him in the red zone at that thing. And that's exactly what they did here, and it was just a fantastic catch. It was, and we all agree that he's out there playing with his Hall of Fame jacket over his jersey, so I think we'll get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yep. Um, so Pretty the much, next yeah. thing we have I here, don't... Cleve, we have the Jets 23 at the Rams 20. And before I turn it over to Cleve for his thoughts on the Jets' great success here, uh, I just want to make this this point that I found uh, on, on reported on Twitter. The Rams' punt protector was put on the COVID list this week. The Rams' first punt was blocked in their last 120 attempts that the Jets recovered for an easy touchdown. It's very possible that COVID-19 will be what sends Trevor Lawrence to Jacksonville and not New York. Anyways, Khalid, what do you think? Wow. (laughs) Wow. Wow. So, so, all right. So, you guys were, like, texting a storm up. I was in class, and I could have partaked but as the game was happening, and I and I thank you both gentlemen for not even I think Matt touched it for a second after I said something, but you guys were like really good about not poking the bear on this one. Where I think the entire region, the entire northeast was looking at this game like, what are you guys doing? Like, lose this game. And I really think that, you know what, it wouldn't be a year like this. 2020 or it wouldn't be a Jets team that's gonna just break our hearts man like I I, I I was like you know what like at this point what are we even putting a team out on the field for you guys show up week 14 seriously and against the Rams seriously so yeah so yeah send the send the number one pick out there so a couple Ohio things State about guy that. in uh, I had a really good out. friend named Scott who was like a, like an actual like watch the tape, write about the draft prospects, like NFL writer guy. He's 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 super legit, and he thinks that Zach Wilson, the quarterback at BYU, is one of the better quarterback prospects in the last few years. Like he thinks that Wilson, he would have taken Wilson first overall last year ahead of Joe Burrow. 
Um, and so I, I'm not going to lie. I was a little surprised to hear that from him. But this is one of those cases where, like, like Cleve, if you were to tell me, like, that hopping up and down on one foot while throwing a baseball off my head was a good exercise, I'd be like, well, I guess so. Like, trainer. You know what I mean? So I think that <laughs> I think yeah. that the Zach Wilson or Justin Fields is going to actually be a conversation heading into number, into number two. And I only bring that up because, because of COVID, BYU plays tonight at 7 o'clock. So you can actually watch uh, your future quarterback potentially tonight at seven o'clock if you want to get a feel for uh, for Zach Wilson or if any of the other fans out there want to get a feel for this, you know, like because last year a lot of people, especially out here East, probably didn't watch Justin Herbert play, um, and so it was sort of an unknown coming into the year. Well, this is a good opportunity for you to watch uh, uh, Zach Wilson if you want. And the other hot take I have on this is that uh, I don't think I actually believe this, but I, it's it's pretty piping hot. I think that Sean McVay is looking to leave the Rams because I think he sees that they're capped Jared Goff at quarterback and with their awful uh, salary cap situation that they have and that he knows that he can just pick whatever job he wants going forward. And it, so that means he can pick to coach Trevor Lawrence if he wants. And I think he'd rather coach in Jacksonville than in New York. And so through the game, so that Jacksonville will get the first overall pick. So he could leave and go to Jacksonville instead of New York to coach Trevor Lawrence. So how's that for a hot take? That is a that is a perfect segue to a conspiracy theory that I had. Oh. Sean McVay is a very rich man because he accepted a check from Shad Khan to blow this game on purpose. And that actually plays right into it. So he'll be rich and then he'll become the coach of the Jaguars with Trevor Lawrence there. So that was something that I had thought about in the moment of, I mean... Maybe Sean McVay took a took a dive, and Dave, that plays right into your hot take about him being the next coach of the Jaguars. I mean, for McVay, we did, wow. we, we, so, we did not coordinate so that. I've been waiting oh to my put that out there for this whole show. Yeah, those are, those are independent thoughts. But the thing is, like, and wow. the, the reason that I think wow. that like that he might be looking to leave is that he took a team with Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald at home and lost to the Jets. Like, like this team. The Rams are never going to ascend to that point with Jared Goff. They can't because they have all these other amazing players players around them. So, you know, I think that McVay would be great to use. It's like, uh, this will be their third time in four years in the playoffs. They made it to a Super Bowl. Like, you know, like his stock is super high. He could probably name his price. He could probably, he could legitimately call Jackson and be like, I will come be your coach for $8 million a year. And they'd be like, yes, we will. Yes, we will absolutely take you. And he should be looking to do that. Let me ask you guys something. Wasn't yeah. didn't they get paid yeah, the same year? year so yeah, that makes sense. Is that the same year they got their monster contracts? Wow. So okay. So here we here we are with two quarterbacks that we don't know who Jared Goff is, and I think Jeff Fisher kind of gave us an idea when he demoted him to third string, and then McVay comes in and like ascends the guy to like a Super Bowl. But um, so look yeah, like I mean, we have two quarterbacks. They're, they're, they're average. They're, they're okay. No? Like you can win with them, but you, but like you can't. You know, Justin Herbert now has shown that he has a higher ceiling than Jared Goff. He might not actually be as good as Jared Goff. Like we have to see more from him. It's a smaller sample, but we have seen enough from Justin Herbert to know that his ceiling is higher than Jared Goff. And if you're in Trevor Lawrence, is 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 going to be off the charts. So when if you're Sean McVay. And you're looking at like, you know, you're, God, he's younger than us, man. I think he's only like 35. 
if you're mm-hmm. thinking like, okay, my future is long term, do I want to be spend the next ten years of my life with Jared Goff and get fired in four years because we suck, or jump the ship now, get a huge raise and pick my quarterback? Like, I, I sincerely think that he should be that he should be looking to do this, and then Harbaugh can go coach the Rams. I have a couple thoughts in this game. Uh, first. I would be really interested to see if Sam Darnold can catch on somewhere else with a more, um, I'll even use the word adequate coaching staff, uh, because I truly don't think he is necessarily this bad. And it's such a hard thing to gauge because he's had Adam Gase as his coach. And we obviously know that the, the, the story is written on him, although he is going to be the next Lions head coach. So we'll just put that out there. Um, but the rain, I mean, uh, the draft, so this, this game mattered because the Jets, right? So the player's instincts is to win the game, as Hermit would just say. You play to win the game. And they did that. And they deserve the credit for, for winning this game. But they're getting lambasted because they lost the first pick. And I think it is interesting to think about in a year like this where there is a, quote, can't miss, uh, end quote, prospect out there of teams tanking. And whether the, the draft system, the way that it is, is adequate for that because it can be seen as incentivized losing. And if they went to something that was a little bit similar to the NBA or just a different system, would it change the way that these teams were managed where you're not necessarily overtly trying to tank? You know, like the Jaguars stink, but we've seen them be in a lot of games, whereas the Jets have looked completely lifeless in 14 of the 16 games. Just something that would be interesting to discuss in an episode in the offseason. Yeah, no, I uh, I agree with that. We will definitely have we're gonna have a few uh, uh, draft centered shows and stuff like that in the off season, mainly because the NFL draft is awesome, um, and also because uh, Cleve's team is gonna be picking number two overall. Aren't you excited, Cleve? <laughs> <laughs> it should be like a um, draft. The next team we have coach. here, we have the Chiefs thirty-two at the Saints twenty-nine, and I do have a note here on Travis Kelsey that I'll make sure I don't miss, and um. That is that Travis Kelsey has eight or more catches in seven straight games. The only other three times that has ever happened are Michael Thomas last year, Antonio Brown in 2014, and Anquan Bolden in 2006. So Travis Kelsey is like one of the top wide receivers in football this year. Um, so I wanted to get, I wanted to be sure to get that note out there. The other note that I have here is that Clyde Edwards Hilaire is hurt. He's going to miss the rest of the regular season. But the thing is, it's a high ankle sprain, so he is not going to just come bouncing right back from that. It is Le'Veon Bell season in the rest of the season for a winning team. Cleve, how do you feel about that? Well, you know what? Two players, um, which have won, you know, uh, I think it was Adams on the, on the Seahawks, was like, sorry for, at his presser, I don't know if you guys caught it, he's like, sorry for being so excited. I've never been to this promised land. Like He's never been to the playoffs. So he's like super happy. So honestly, man, we're like all kidding aside, I'm happy for two guys that got off the gaze train because it shows that once these guys leave, a la Tannehill. Yep, absolutely. And then no, uh, Matt, what do you think about the, uh, the Saints so. in this game and moving forward? Well, I would be a little bit concerned if I were a Saints fan because uh, we talked about last week that obviously if the Saints are going to win the Super Bowl, we're probably envisioning that happening with Drew Brees versus Taysom Hill. But you know, watching this game, at least aesthetically, to me it seemed fairly obvious that Drew Brees was nowhere near 100%. Uh, specifically, I think it took him a little time to get warmed up. And Cleve, you can talk about this from a trainer's perspective, but 
some of those throws, he looked very, very uncomfortable making the throws. All the torquing that you're doing when throwing the football, uh, having to be mobile in the pocket at times. And I, I talked about this earlier in the season about how he is still nearly last or dead last in all of these advanced metrics about throwing the ball down the field. And, you know, the, the question I have is, do the Saints still have a high ceiling with a 70% breeze or does it make sense for them to now knowing that they have no real shot at getting a home field? I don't think, I mean, it's very possible that they could, uh, that, that Packers could lose uh, enough games for that to happen. But it seems to me that they're playing for second place, at least in the, the conference at best. Um, and that is, it does it make sense to have Hill out there for the next two games and make sure that Breeze is even closer because he, he just did not look comfortable to me. And the Saints offense, even though they only lost by three, it just, again, it was one of those where aesthetically you kind of felt like there's something that's not, there's something missing here. Well, so here's the, uh, so great point, Matt. Here's the his situation with how I see the Saints with with Breeze, obviously. And again, this is you guys always tease me about being the old man. Get off your lawn. I'm the old guy. So yeah, something like that. Yes. Drew yes. Breeze missed four weeks. Okay, four weeks. Um, obviously his first uh, his first um, few series, it showed that he missed four weeks. Also coupled down with his age and how long he's been in the league. But they still almost beat a Saints team that's beatable. But these guys just grind games out. They do enough. Um, Mahomes is next level. Like, we've never... Every week we say we've never seen something like this. And he, he's just playing off the wall. Like, he, like he's, like, playing backyard football, it looks like to me. But um, it was uncomfortable for me to watch some of the hits that Drew took. And, you know, he wasn't skittish. I thought he was going to be skittish. But uh, I think they, they got a shot. Both you guys don't think that they got a shot. I think this is probably their. This is probably uh, Breeze's last hurrah, um, being there, um, and I think they're going to go all out. That's why he was put back into the fold to play, and he almost beat the Chiefs. They all, if he didn't have that 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 first couple of seasons. So I just want to be on the record the that was, I I'm not in the camp that think the Saints don't have a shot. I think the Saints have a very 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 good chance of not only going to the Super Bowl, winning the Super Bowl this year. I think they're pretty. They're a pretty complete team to miss point though that if breeze is not healthy um or they have to go with Taysom hill do they have the best chance to win and the answer is no in those cases i think honestly their best chance to win the super bowl would be to play Jameis because he offers the most upside for for that squad now he also offers a lot of downsides. Jameis Winston can explode in any direction, but the thing is, to win the Super Bowl without home field advantage, you have to explode in the right direction four times in a row against teams that are just as good as you or um or better than you. And Jameis Winston is like the anti Mitch Trubisky. Jameis Winston could beat anybody on any given day. He could also throw seven interceptions and the game is over. But if you lose, you lose. It doesn't matter if you lose by 100 because Jameis throws a bunch of picks or you lose by three because Taysom Hill is not that good. You still lost the game. But Jameis gives you the best chance to hit hit ceiling as you go. But uh, I think ultimately that they're just going to ride Drew Brees unless he is actually physically unable to go. Even if he was, even if he was 15, even if he was 15%, he would, he would do that. Now, the next game we have here, 
the game itself didn't have a lot to talk about, but we're going to have a little bit to discuss here. The only thing I want to note about the Browns 20 at the Giants 6 is that Baker Mayfield uh, played a pretty decent game, but get a load of this stat, Cleveland. Baker Mayfield on play action, 10 of 13 for two touchdowns and no picks. Um, the Browns have definitely figured out exactly how to win, how they want to win, and how they want to dispatch uh, bad teams. And the uh, only thing they don't really hear about the Giants and why the Giants just are not even worth I don't want to say they're not worth talking about, but they're not the division. They're not good. They're not good. The leading rusher for the Giants in this game was Alfred Morris. Yeah, like you know, the you know, old, like the old the Giants aren't even trying this year. I mean, the team is trying, but the organization's not. They know they're not. They know they're not good. So, Clee, do you want to just talk a little bit about the Giants here? Yeah, so you know, I, I I had a conversation with with two Giants fans. They're actually good good friends of mine. And they're, they're good guys. So, you know, I hope you guys don't take this as um as a uh, uh, an indictment on how I feel about <laughs> your team. Fuck the Giants. And I always I always kind of say I always kind of say like I'm a Jets fan, and every guy on this show we have a a Pats fan who's enjoyed six championships, but have to go through a a, tur- a tur- turmoil of a season. We have a, a, a Lions fan <laughs> that has to deal with, you know, being a Lions fan. And how dare you? How fucking dare you say that we don't we don't bash our teams back? You know, bash our teams the way we bash the fucking Giants. Fuck the fucking Giants, man! Like seriously, like you guys. Honestly, you guys had two Super Bowls. One of them, if Asante Samuel's makes that catch and bounce, we're not talking about a Super Bowl win here. So, yeah. So yeah, I don't think the fucking Giants had a shot, and the division is dog shit. And thank God for Jalen Hurts now. The, yeah, the issue, the issue here seems to, see to be Giants, bro. Like, again a thought that the Giants should be discussed more, and/or when they are discussed, they're only discussed in the negative. And so I want to speak to both of those. The reason the Giants aren't discussed more is because yes. they haven't factored in to anything at all this season. And it was obvious they wouldn't early on when Saquon Barkley got hurt because your dipshit general manager spent second overall pick on a running back. So when that running back got hurt, <laughs> the team was going to collapse. <laughs> That's why you don't do that. That's how you get a pass rusher or a quarterback <laughs> or something like that. Speaking of quarterbacks, your general manager spent six overall pick on Danny Dimes. <laughs> which is a good positional value, as we'll discuss in the offseason. But Danny Dimes would have been there at 17 when they picked again. So if they any player picked between 6 and 16, and still got yes. Danny Dimes. I haven't gone back to look to see who those pillars could be, because I don't care about the Giants enough to go and look. Nobody cares, and that's the point. Wow. It's called McCoy Catter. I don't know, like, full rock here, but it doesn't matter what the stat line was. You know, I didn't watch this game. I did not watch this game. I did not watch this season because I knew the Browns would be not either. I did not either. So I didn't say, I watched three hours of 90 Day Fiance with Megan because I knew it would be more entertaining than watching the New York Giants go out here on the struggle bus against Cleveland. And that's what it is. The Giants are so bad. I know Cleveland, the Cleveland Browns, 
are going to destroy them in prime time, there's no need to watch. <laughs> Do it. This is why we don't talk about the Giants. The Giants yeah, suck. They should you never have that suck. game. They should never have a fucking Monday division. Night. The division is so bad. They had one chance to kind of factor in, and they got absolutely destroyed. Congratulations on reaching up and beating the Seahawks out of nowhere. You know, the Jets reached up and beat the Rams out of nowhere. We're not going to be talking about them nonstop going forward or whatever. Actually, we will talk about them a bit more because they're going to be drafting an interesting quarterback going into next year. So next year, we'll still have something to talk about for them. They'll still have Danny Dimes, who sucks. They'll still have Saquon, who's great but can't carry a team on his own. You'll still have Joe Judge, who's awful. The Giants suck this year. They're going to suck next year. They're going to suck the year after that. So that's all I have to say about the Giants. Matt, you got anything? Yes, I do. So I'm pretty sure that this all stemmed because I gave a little bit of credit to the fact, probably what, five or six weeks ago, that the Giants had been in all but one of their games at that point. And while that is true... The results are what the results are. And I think I even said that in the Giants-specific opening that we had a few weeks ago in which in which Dave had his uh, Giants cleansing or whatever. But this idea that, that the Giants should be talked about more or that the Giants season is, is what it is because Daniel Jones was hurt. Um, listener, I hate to say it, but it's horseshit. Because, uh, look, Daniel Jones... Uh, first of all, for everybody <laughs> counting at home, uh, the top 10 in fumbles this year. Derek Carr leads the league. Uh, next would be Taysom Hill. Next would be Daniel Jones. Next would be Carson Wentz. And then Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Kirk Cousins, Drew Locke. Yeah, there's a lot of quarterbacks that are on good teams there. Uh, Derek Carr and Carson Wentz um, are not them. So he's fumbled 10 times. 10. Like, Think about that for a minute, right? This is, I mean, it's crazy to think that he is the reason. So I, I, I want to ask this Giants fan. So they're five and nine. The only reason that we even talked about them before was because the NFC East stinks. All of the teams in there stink. And so what, what, what would the result be? So they'd be what, seven and seven? And that would somehow be even more interesting because while they'd, while they'd be leading the division, they would easily be the worst team in the playoff field, bar none, hands down. Like, what is the ceiling that this list, you know, these listeners are hoping for? And yep. I just want to also point out that my analysis of the Giants is objective when I could be so not objective because I don't like the Giants for obvious reasons. But it is what it is. I call things the way that we call them. And we do the same thing. Now, do we have our biases? Yes. But for the idea that we don't, we have given the Jets a pass is, is horseshit. Dave has not given the Lions a pass. And I don't think that I have overly praised the Patriots yep. this year, given the fact that I've said many, many times they are just not good. But saying that this year is different for them is not giving them a pass. It's looking at the season as it is. That's what analysis is for those listening. That's how you analyze things. So... I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you feel as if we are not talking about your team. If they're nine and five, we're talking about them, but they're not. End of story. Yeah, we love listening. You know, we love listeners to listen to the show. But again, right. I mean, that's, not that's, that's exactly you true. As I do person, want to make sure that's very clear team? that Fuck um, Fuck I don't disrespect any listeners except those that support Trump. Um, but as far as like the Giants go, like listen friend the giants are trash oh the knicks are worse the yankees are going to have a great regular season and choke in the playoffs again 
Like, this is how it's going to be. Like, a Giants fans, you're not going to see a title. I guess you got the Rangers. You guys got the Rangers got the Cabo Rell pick that should have gone to the Red Wings. They got Lafreniere, so Rangers. They yeah, got they yeah. got a good young, exciting, up and coming. Basically, the Rangers got Trevor Lawrence of hockey. So, so yeah, you have that to look forward to in a couple of years. Until then, you're just hitting a series of L's and just keep taking them, and that's it. Because you know who's going to be better than the Giants next year is the Jets. So that's that. The uh, the next game we have. Oh, we should mention too that like Cleveland can now win the division. Uh, and, and the reason Cleveland can win the division is that the Steelers seventeen at the Bengals twenty seven. Um, and as I watched this game, because I did watch this one, that's how much the Giants were a non-factor. I thought the Bengals had a better chance to beat the Steelers than the Giants did to beat the Browns. Um, the Steelers look like they might kind of be done. Um, not like they're not like they've given up, but that they they might not be able to fix what has now been broken with them, and they're just backing into the playoffs, and they'll be dispatched early, and that's that. Cleve, how many passes did Cincinnati throw in this game? How many passes, 15. like, total? Uh, just want to point uh, out, that was less than Air Force threw against Army. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, so since they came up with the wing tee with Ryan Finley. Um, Jesus. And uh, that's what I'm saying. Like, since they actually controlled this game, it's not like they came scrambling <laughs> back. It was a back and forth. They controlled the game well enough to where they only threw the ball 13 times, and they won They won by two scores. You did. You did. Well, I told you guys I had the keys to the DeLorean and I went to the future last week and told you guys this would happen. And I think what Matt said weeks ago when he had the DeLorean. Yeah, I mean, they, they are just, Big they ben, are really struggling. Matt, do you have anything about the Steelers and how they can fix what's ailing them or what's going on there? I, I personally don't think that they can fix what's ailing them unless they somehow um, get some type of, of killer instinct back. And I think you are right. I think they are broken. Um, offensively, they have to be more dynamic, I guess. They, they kind of remind me of the Cowboys a couple of years ago when they lost to the Rams in the playoffs that year, and it was like they just had no dynamic offensive look. But a couple things about this game. So one, um, obviously it opens up the division for the Browns and possibly the Ravens. I haven't gone through all of the scenarios there. However, little nugget for next week, I think. There is a scenario in which the Browns could finish 11-5 and miss the playoffs. So something to think about there. Um, the other little personal note, um, my fantasy team this week was in a playoff matchup in which I was projected to win by a lot. Um, I ended up losing to a team where we had two players, one stealer apiece. Uh, my opponent had James Conner, who did not play, had zero. I had Juju Smith-Schuster, who didn't get enough points to win me the game. So I lost. Uh, fuck you, Steelers. Yeah, Juju finished on negative points. He did at one point. He had negative two, and I was like, "Well, that's just <laughs> so." So yeah, just real quick, I do want I do want to point this out too that uh, I saw a tweet uh, from Field Yates of ESPN that he said he saw the worst beat ever uh, in fantasy football. There was a player going into and it's the famous football semifinals going into Monday night. This player had Ebron and Juju in the lead. The other person had nobody playing. Ebron got hurt with no catches, no points. Juju finished with negative points. He lost. The other guy came from behind with no players left. That's wow. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty awful, awful beat there, Matt. I thought that was wow. only you, but 
No, that actually sounds like Trump's fantasy team, and he would probably say he didn't lose and have to go back and recount the points every week. He's the ESPN servers. Yeah, he is. That's right. <laughs> okay, so I do want to look into next week's <laughs> schedule here a little bit. Awesome. And the reason I want to do that is that we are now to the point to where, like, there are big playoff implications, and Matt sort of touched on this a little bit with um with the Steelers and the Browns. And I have a good Twitter thread open here from Josh Hermsmeyer. If you don't follow Josh Hermsmeyer, you absolutely should. He's a uh, data guy, and he lets the data drive him to hot takes. You can probably see why I like him so much. Um, he's definitely, definitely a good, a good follow. Um, so as we go into the schedule for next week, to me, the most critical game on the schedule, I'm just skipping right down to it, is the Colts at the Steelers. So let me just uh, pull pull this up here, and here's what Herms Meyer has, uh, has said. He basically says that if, Indian- if Indianapolis wins this game against the Steelers, they are pretty much a lock to make the playoffs. If they lose, they're only at about a 20% chance to make the playoffs. So obviously this game is huge for, for the Colts. For the Steelers, of course, if they lose, that opens it up for Cleveland to to make make the playoffs. Now, Matt, what did you have about the playoff situations coming up? Well, basically, um, if let's say the Titans, the Colts, uh, the Ravens, and um, like all went out and the Steelers lose but beat the Browns and they finish 11 and 5, the Browns would actually be out of the playoffs at that point. Yes, that's uh, which correct. is just which is staggering to think about, and I wondered how does that change the narrative of the season? Because I think if we went in saying, "Well, the Browns are eleven and five this year," after last year, we'd be like, "That's a huge success." But then to not make the playoffs, how rare it is to not make the playoffs at eleven and five uh, would be interesting. However, uh, the Ravens would be left out if the Browns finished twelve and four by beating the Steelers. Uh, Steelers are in regardless, but uh, so there are a, a lot of big games. I mean. Colts end up beating the Steelers. That makes the division so much more juicy, and it really hurts the Ravens. And so the Ravens at 11-5 and could also miss the playoffs as well. So it's very possible that a team in that division could go 11-5, and which in every other year we'd say is, is, is a great you know great year, and, and miss the playoffs, even with this expanded field. That was the Matt Castle year. But then again, he was also throwing to West. Did you guys miss the playoffs one year? So it was like, like that? that. It wasn't like it was a total down year. I mean, they went from Brady to oh, Matt okay. Castle. But uh, yeah, they were 11 and 5 that year. And I believe did not make the playoffs because they lost the division to the Chad Pennington led Dolphins that year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so, um, oh, Chad. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, uh, that's pretty amazing. That 11 to 5 in this playoffs. I didn't realize it happened to the Patriots. But, but when Clean said, didn't you guys miss the playoffs, I just knew he wasn't talking to me because obviously we did. Uh, through the Lions, like, yes, we missed the playoffs. Um, so, yeah, so here's the Herman Meyer's thread. So, man, I want to see if this uh, sort of makes yeah. sense with what you had said. Uh, he says that if the Ravens win out and they play the Giants, so that's a win, and the mm-hmm. Bengals, uh, that they then give the Ravens a 98% chance to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. If the, but the Browns could also win out. They play the Jets in Pittsburgh. And if the Browns went out, they're in for for sure. Yep. So what that means is that if the Ravens and the Browns come in, that means that Tennessee comes into play with the Ravens. If Baltimore and Cleveland and Indianapolis all win out, then the only way Baltimore makes the playoffs is if Tennessee loses both their last two games. Mm -hmm. So we're in a situation where some good team is definitely going to get let out, and it could be up all the way to the Browns, but it won't be the Steelers. The Steelers are in. 
Yeah, and the, the other caveat to that is if the the Dolphins finish eleven and five as well, and the Dolphins are playing. Um, where is it? They are. I can't find it. Uh, but they're playing the Bills in the last week of the season, uh, who could have locked up things by then and might not play their starters. And they're playing the Raiders this coming week. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's a lot of interesting matchups right now because some of these bad teams, you know, some of these good teams are playing bad teams. Like if the Colts end up beating the Steelers, then they get Jacksonville next week. Right, so that's not a good matchup if you're if you're one of those teams that could be left sitting out. Titans get <clears throat> the Texans next week, and they get Green Bay this week. So it's tough for them to ne- you know win out because they have a tough matchup this week. So it's not like it all could happen, but there is there are scenarios out there in which an eleven and five team could be out looking in, which would mean that the worst team in the playoffs in the AFC would be eleven and five. Mm-hmm. Well, you guys called it because remember a few weeks ago it was the log jam of all these six and four teams, and I think Dave Dave was the one that mentioned he's like, give it a few weeks and we're going to see everything right. kind of so like you that's know the, that's the thing implode on itself and we're seeing it right time, now. But I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it right now and talk it out as I'm writing it down here. So for teams that are in, we have the Bills are going to win their division for sure. The Steelers are in, but they might not win their division, and then the Chiefs are in. Right? And so there's seven teams. So we have Baltimore. We have Miami. Let me know if I miss anybody here. We have Indy, Tennessee, Mm -hmm. Cleveland. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that is is eight teams. Right? Uh, Bills, Steelers, Chiefs, Ravens, Dolphins, Colts, Titans, Browns. Um, The Bills, Steelers, and Chiefs are in. So here we go. Baltimore, Miami, Indy, Tennessee, or Cleveland, Cleve. Which of those teams does not make the playoffs? Matt, who? what's Miami's remaining schedule? Miami. Oh, they have <laughs> the Raiders, and then they have Buffalo. Well, the Buff. They're the not going to be Buffalo, and the Raiders, you never... I mean, right, Bills have already the Raiders, they can... Division, so Go there's ahead. no real incentive for them. They can't get home field. So I don't think there's really much incentive for them. Yeah. They're going to play a home game. Josh Allen and Steph Diggs are not playing in yeah. 17. They're going to be the number two seed if I have it locked in. So uh, if the Dolphins beat the Raiders mm. this week, they have a really legitimate shot at finishing 11-5. Okay. They could still yeah. obviously be left out. But, uh, they, I, you know, I'm just saying it's interesting, though, because I think when you look at the playoffs now, it doesn't it seem like the AFC is trending upward and the NFC is kind of in a weird pattern where some of the teams we're not so sure about but yet we, we do know Bay is looking good. But other than that, the rest of the field is kind of ho-hum in terms of like upward momentum at the right time. And all the Wide AFC open. teams are on fire right now. I said, like week, I said in like week six that the Seahawks are going to the Super Bowl. I stand by that. They're, okay. they're the best team in the NFC. They just have to stop being such jerks about it. They just like literally just come out here and just start just start whooping on teams. If they do that, like – the, the the Russ Cook and Seahawks are the best team the NFC has produced this year. Yeah, yeah but so they're happened by a fucking coach who's a 1960s hippie. Figure out what he's doing. So, Matt, you have to answer the question. The more Miami, <laughs> Indianapolis, Tennessee, or Cleveland, who misses the playoffs? I, I personally think it's Baltimore because... I, I really think that the Browns are playing so well that they have a win this week against the Jets, and I do think they're going to beat Pittsburgh. I mean, they have a lot of momentum. I know that 
the Titans are playing Green Bay. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I just I look at that because I think while the Ravens are playing a lot of bad teams and do have a lot of momentum and wins right now, I just I see it all playing out to where they're the team that's left out because they just went through that that stretch in the middle of the season where we didn't know who they were. Um, and I can't predict, obviously, all of the, the scenarios and how that would work. But that's just the way that I see it happening because I, I just feel like the Colts right now are better than Pittsburgh. They're clearly better than, uh, you know, Jacksonville. And I think if the Titans end up beating Green Bay, they they are going to win out as well. So that, that makes the road tough for Baltimore, in my opinion. So I am actually, and I, I made up my mind before I asked you guys. Um, so I actually think it's the Colts they are going to miss. All right. And the reason is that they have the most high leverage spot left. So this is more of a uh, math thing than a than a like thought thing. Because I think Miami's the worst out of the teams. Mm-hmm. But, but the Indianapolis Pittsburgh game is you know, if Indy loses yep. to Pittsburgh, they drop from you know if they win they're at like eighty five percent. If they lose they're at like twenty percent. So that's such a huge critical swing that I'll just bet on Pittsburgh winning that game and then Indy being the team that ends up being left out. Either way, some really good team from the AFC is not making the playoffs, and the Washington football team is going to be hosting the Bucks. So, yep. That's right. Yeah, so so yeah. So this is just an absolutely crazy scenario, of which we may not even have more clarity next week. Like, all these teams might win next week, and then the final week's going to be, week 17 is going to be absolutely insane for who needs to win in the, in the AFC. That's right. So, some uh, some of the other teams, uh, some of the other games looking forward to here, and I apologize if I mentioned one that Matt mentioned in discussing going forward, but the schedule is a bit different. So first of all, there's a game on Christmas, 4.30 on Christmas Day, which is Friday. The Saints host the Vikings. This is, it's, this is going to be a very interesting game for gauging the Saints because they should absolutely be able to handle the Vikings, and the Vikings secondary is terrible. So Drew Brees needs to look good in this game. If he does not look good in this game, then I'm going to start. I'm going to be more on the cleave. The Saints are in a lot of trouble side. Uh, the Lions host the Buccaneers on Saturday, so the Bucks are going to win again. Frauds. Um, the Cardinals host the 49ers on Saturday as well, and then the Raiders host the Dolphins. So we have three Saturday games all in a row, almost like a Thanksgiving Day. With the Dolphins Raiders, as we mentioned, a huge game for Miami. An absolute must win situation for the Dolphins on Saturday night. On Sunday, the Ravens host the Giants, so that's a W for the Ravens. The Chiefs host the Falcons. So um if you have if you have the Chiefs in your fantasy football finals, congratulations on your victory. Uh let's see here. Oh, the Jets host the Browns Cleve. What do you think? <laughs> Oh, that's going to be destruction. I, I've said this the last few weeks, um, and I, you know, I think you know we've all had to eat, eat a little bit of humble pie. Um, now mm-hmm. that Baker's kind of figured out how to be an NFL quarterback, I think he's actually a good quarterback, and I think that team, um, he he's put that team on his shoulders, and the Jets are putting out dog shit. I mean, they won the Rams game, but that was so the Rams. Thing. And I actually think, I think they're going to get a disrated again. So the number one pick. They got no chance. The Jags host the Bears. Oof. I I can I can see them doing it. I can see I can see them 
I could see them doing it. Like, the Bears are not good, but Trubisky can make a ton of mistakes. Now, I did say earlier he's good at beating bad teams. And if I had to bet this game, I would take the Bears to win pretty comfortably. Especially because James Robinson looks hurt and looks like he might be out. But the Bears could absolutely screw this up for the Jags and the, and open the door for the for the Jets. So, Cleve, you do have a Trevor Lawrence sweat next week. You're rooting for the, Jet, for the uh, Jags pretty hard. Yeah, so let's see if this happens. And if you if you're in the DeLorean and you're making a trip to the future, can you bring me uh, back? By the way, by the way, so if the Jets were to somehow beat the Browns and the Browns beat the Steelers, the Jets would be the reason the Browns would be eleven and five and miss the playoffs. Can you imagine if that were the case? Oh my goodness! <laughs> and the Jets end up picking like fourth in the draft. Yep. Oh. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, that's catastrophic. That's yep. catastrophic. Um, we have uh, the Bengals and like, the Texans, wow, that's the, which that's not, that's not I, for that. I can already tell you that unless this game has the most insane Deshaun Watson stat line, we will spend one sentence each on this game next week. Um, Colts Steelers, as mentioned before, 1 p.m. on Sunday. Again, I think this is the biggest <laughs> game on, on the slate as far as the playoffs go. And I think it's one that everybody should pay really close attention to. And Red Zone is going to be on it for that reason. And then for the 4 o'clock slate, we have the Broncos and Chargers, which doesn't matter, but I think it's going to be a great showcase of Drew Locke versus Justin Herbert. You can really see the difference between the two. And my buddy Paul, like he said, he'll be right. Drew Locke ain't it. Um, We have the Eagles at the Cowboys, which doesn't matter, but it's going to be super fun watching Jalen Hurts walk back into Cowboys Stadium and uh, put put it on Dallas. Yep, uh, Rams Seahawks, which I don't know how that impacts the playoffs in the NFC, but nice. both these teams need a win and need to start playing better and getting right for the playoff run. Uh, the Sunday and Monday night games are actually pretty decent. We have the Titans at the Packers, which, as Matt mentioned, is huge for the Titans, and the Packers pretty much so up home field advantage with the win. And then the Monday night game is the Bills at the Patriots, so we get to watch the Patriots get destroyed in primetime. How do you feel about that, Matt? I mean... I don't think it really makes that much of a difference, but I do think it would matter a lot to Bills fans to sweep the Patriots in a season because mm-hmm. I think Brady lost to them like twice in 20 years or some ridiculous stat. Yeah. Yeah. No, I uh, I, I completely agree with you there. So then the slate next week has got some really, really good game design and some good games for fantasy football championships, which hopefully some of the listeners, some of the listeners are in. And yeah, this playoff, this playoff picture going into Week 17 for the uh, for the AFC could be absolutely insane if the Colts if the Colts beat the Steelers. Mm-hmm. If the Colts, I think the, that Mike Tomlin lose out. could also be Tom looking to do the Sean McVay thing, mm-hmm. where he might be like, "I want to pick my destination and my and my quarterback." Oh. <laughs> uh, Yeah, because Big Ben opted. Yeah, in well, again. his arm might be about to fall off, right so now. we'll see if his arm opts in for next year too. Eighteenth year, um, or whatever. So. so we'll have to see about that. But I could see, <laughs> I could see Tomlin either. Well, because Tomlin's in a true situation because the Steelers are really are like pretty good, but like as we wanted, is welcome. Did you just need to get another good young quarterback in there, and then they're really good again, or does he just want like a change and like? be reinvigorated i'm not entirely sure entirely sure about that i don't think that he's like in danger of being fired though
Hey, as a Lions fan, well, I would know, love it. Starting a red hot 11 and 0. I would, I would love that. 30 11 and 0, finish 12 and 4, losing the first round of the playoffs. <laughs> I mean, that's that's almost like winning the Super Bowl for us. <laughs> Matt, you got a uh, you have a good a feel good story for us? Yeah. Yeah, I, it's a few weeks old now, but I didn't see it at the time. But apparently, uh, after the Texans beat the Lions on Thanksgiving, a whole bunch of fans donated to the Deshaun Watson Foundation, totaling just over $1,000 uh, to thank him for getting Matt Patricia fired. Mm-hmm. And apparently, many fans donated exactly $13 for Patricia's 13 wins uh, as a Lions head coach. Yep. <laughs> so, absolutely, I was like... That's feel good Jesus only in the sense Christ. that it's, it's donating to a good cause. And apparently Deshaun was uh, matching the donation and providing lunch to the first 100 people at Lefties in Detroit. So, Which was the place that they catered the Texans pregame meal that, that night before Thanksgiving. So, uh, wow. And he's also apparently a large equity owner in that restaurant. How about that? <laughs> good job. Uh, good job. Good job, Deshaun. I, uh, I don't have nice. anything for college really this week besides, I mean, the listeners, the BYU game will already happen. So, hey, go take a look and see how Zach Wilson did. He's probably going to be quarterback in the Jets next year. Nothing else really for the college game here. We will discuss coming up as we get closer to the playoff, the playoff situation. Just quickly, do you want to briefly mention the four teams? We're going to have Alabama playing Notre Dame and Clemson playing Ohio State, which means we will get Trevor Lawrence versus Justin Fields uh, in, in the playoff again because they played last year. So, uh, that will be that will be very interesting. Interesting to see. Cleve, you got anything else before we go? Um, just that it's you know it's 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 the week of Christmas, guys. If you have to travel in the Central, be safe. But if you don't have to travel in the Central, don't do that. Again, you're talking to three guys who yep. are not originally from this area, and we would like to have seen our families, but we're all staying put. So you know, I'm not telling someone what to do, but what I'm saying is that although we have a vaccine, kind of kind of coming into play but we also have a variant now and it's still shit going on so unless you really really have to travel please be safe um all i'm hearing is people catching this thing and 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 it's not going well for a lot of people so you know that's my thing um christmas is coming up so i'm gonna try to enjoy um as much time down as i can goodbye Hundred and sixty sacks. Yes, yes, yes. Huge loss to number three all time, huh? Yeah, that's when you know. That's when. Uh, that's when they were. You know, like like I said, when you guys are elevating the, the JJ Watson stuff, you got to wait till the the body of work is in because these numbers are hard to reach. Hard to reach, yep. man. So I don't know what the cause of death was, but you know, hope his family's gonna find some kind of peace with this. See you next week. Merry Christmas. Go Jags. All right, so I will see you guys next week. Same time, same channel. Musical credit for today's episode goes to First Com Music, an ESPN-owned entity, NFL Primetime.